James Bond uncovers a nuclear plot when he protects an oil heiress from her former kidnapper, an international terrorist who can't feel pain. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Ruining Our Our Childhood, Childhood. a weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is us. And if you are just joining us, why don't you rate and review our our podcast? Yeah. I'm asking in the beginning of the podcast. Throw us a little five stars. Well, I mean, rate us appropriately. Oh, yeah. No, be honest. Yeah. If you think we're a two-star podcast, screw you. We want to know. give us two stars. Give us a review, too, and tell us why we're two stars. Yeah. I like criticism. Mm-hmm. I don't like criticism, but I respect it. Yeah. I guess. That's be... a good way to describe it. I would like to know if we suck. Yeah. Nobody's told us. Everyone just says, your podcast is amazing. I don't know if they say Amazing. No, I think it's usually, hey, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, oh, thanks. The end. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we like it, and that's all that matters, right? Yes. So anyway, this is Ruining Our Childhood, where we rewatch our favorite movies. Mm -hmm. I'm literally saying exactly what you say. And decide if they hold up. Yeah. Because it's 2019. A lot of shit has changed. Yes. And a lot of the movies that we review are 10 years Older or more. Yeah. Because that's the parameters we set for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this week we're doing a James Bond 1999 classic, The World is Not Enough. That is correct. And I honestly could not pick this movie out of a lineup because I think all of the Pierce Brosnan movies kind of melded in together for me because they did come out at a time where I could care less. Really? I was a child, so a guy running around with a gun did not seem fascinating Mm -hmm. to me. As I got older, I really appreciated all the Daniel Craig ones. And when I was younger, I did appreciate the Sean Connery ones because my mom loved Sean Connery. And I felt like me and my brother watched a lot. Okay. Never Say Never, which is notably, I think, a bad one. But we had it on one of my dad's VHS recorded Uh ones, so we'd watch them a lot. This is the first one i saw in theaters oh really yeah so my introduction to bond came from the well technically from the james bond jr cartoon oh i watched that on yeah it was on the cartoon network when i was a kid watch that but then i was more into the golden eye video game yes which ned stark is the villain in that movie sean bean sean bean Mm mm-hmm and for years, that's what I knew Sean Bean from. I'd always go, that's Alec Trevelyan. <laughs> now yeah. I go, okay, that's Ned Stark. But for almost 20 years, that's what I knew him from. But yeah, this was the first one that I ever saw in theaters. And I ironically owned the video game and played the video game a lot. It was one of those movies that I watched just because my brother was watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, as the tag-long little sister. Tag-along. And I probably complained about it. There were so many times where I'd be like, ugh, why are you watching this movie? It's so stupid. And like 20 minutes later, I was like, what's going to happen next? There's stuff blowing up. Yeah. It was around the time, 1999, where I really wanted to be as girly as possible. So I tried not to watch anything that was masculine because, I don't know. Understandable. Is it? Well, because you are you were just probably starting puberty. Yeah. So I, that's why I said understandable. Like. You're like, okay, I'm I wanted to surround myself as with as many girly things as possible because that's what I was told to do. Yes. I don't know. That's society. We're getting deep here. Yeah. Do, go ahead and... We, we always are messing up these parts here. But uh, go ahead and hit us with the 1999 facts. Going down the old memory road? Yes. Uh, this movie was released on November 19th of 1999. So... If you're listening to this the day the episode came out, that was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. to the day. Uh, It had a budget of $125 million, and it grossed $362 million. At the time, it was the highest grossing Bond film. It's insane that 362 was the highest grossing because I know Skyfall made like over a billion dollars. Yeah. Popular TV shows from 1999 were 
Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, ER, and Friends. The number one song from the week the movie came out was Santana featuring Rob Thomas, Smooth. Uh, Other popular songs were TLC, Unpretty, and Christina Aguilera, Genie in a Bottle. And popular movies, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, The Sixth Sense, and Toy Story 2. Nice. Yeah. I know those movies. I know them all as well. We've probably mentioned them before because yeah. we've done a couple movies that were set in 1999. Mm-hmm. Or not set. Came out. Made. Yeah, made. <laughs> Our very first one. Yes. American Pie. American Pie. Yes. Before we move on, I do have a random question. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the best Bond? I was going to ask you the same exact question. Because we're psychically linked. For a long time, I went with Pierce Brosnan, and it was because I think it was that's the one I grew up with. Right. But I sense, I think Daniel Craig's the best Bond, even more so. I know there's people that go, Connery, Roger Moore, but... I would say Sean Connery. Yeah, he was good. He just, to me, when I hear the name James Bond, I think of him automatically... And I don't know. He was, to me, he was the most charming, mm-hmm. but I also haven't seen any of the Sean Connery, James Bond movies in about 30 years. I'm 33. 20 years, I would say. I would definitely agree with you. He was the most charming. That's one, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but one trait that yeah. I don't feel like Daniel Craig's Bond has. I kind of agree. He, when in the romantic scenes, I don't. He doesn't come off as much as, like, a charming, suave guy. Mm-hmm. He just comes out off as this really masculine, I can see why women are attracted to him. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he seems like more of the bad boy, aloof kind of mm-hmm. I, stereotype of a man. <laughs> so. But I think there was also a real conscious effort when they switched to him mm-hmm. to make him a tough guy. Which was maybe, like, Pierce Brosnan was kind of suave. Yeah. And they kind of made a conscious effort where I felt like they took away some of the Bond always had cool gadgets and stuff like that. Whereas I felt like once they shifted to Daniel Craig, they kind of tried to make him more realistic and stuff. But I think that that happens in a lot of movies that have been made in the last 20 years is... If you're going to believe this guy could fight his way out of certain situations, mm-hmm. I, I do picture Daniel Craig as somebody that is able to do that. Yes. Pierce Brosnan it seems more like a talker, like he could talk his way out of situations. Very true. And But I think there was a time where anybody could be an action star, no matter what your build or anything, because movies, we're just supposed to believe whatever the movie is telling us to believe. Yeah. Whereas I think now we're much more critical of a society where we're like, nah, that doesn't add up to us or that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. that somebody like that would be as good at getting out of situations by fighting. He doesn't look like he could be a fighter. Yeah. I know um, the next one comes out in April. Yes. The 25th Bond. And Daniel Craig's obviously going to play him again. But he has said multiple times, that's it. He's done. He's not doing Bond again. Who would you have be the next James Bond? I I know there was some talk where people wanted, like, Idris Alba. I think yeah. he'd be really good because he does... He looks like he could fight, uh-huh. like, his build. And he's very charming. Yes. And very good looking. Mm-hmm. And he's got an amazing accent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are all the things that you would need for a James Bond. I just think he's too old. Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to do like a almost like a reset mm-hmm. to somebody younger, I don't know. You know who I think would Nicholas be Nicholas Holt. You know who I was going with was, and I don't know that society would accept him because they've accepted him as something else. Tom Holland. Uh, I think he's too tiny. He's too tiny and young. And he's, he's too young, and I think he just looks like a sweet baby angel. I just want to cradle him and. But if they ball. cast Tom Holland, he could play Bond for, like, the next 25 years. That's true. Like, they would just do a Bond every three years. Next thing you know, Tom Holland played Bond 20 times. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say Robert Pattinson. <laughs> no. No, no. No our paths. Uh, um, Nicholas Holt would, would be a good one. I think Nicholas Holt. Or you know who else would be? But he hasn't... I feel like he hasn't been in a lot of movies. Is, uh, well, I can't remember his real name. Cook. I mean, not with his, his derby accent, yeah. but... When he's in other movies where you, you could actually understand him. For the life of me, I can't think of what his real name is. 
Jack O'Connell. Jack O'Connell. Yeah. Yes. He's a good actor. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Cook from Skins. Mm-hmm. And, ooh. Jamie no. Lannister would be a good one. Maybe. I think he could be a good one. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, younger British actors that mm-hmm. would be good in that role. But uh, I'm excited for the new movie. Yeah. Remy Malek is going to be the villain. Yes. Who's your favorite Bond villain? I don't know. I can't. Honestly, they're not that memorable. The one that I liked the best was uh, Javier Bardem in Skyfall. Yeah, he was very... He was... He was creepy. Creepy and scary and just a a good one he wasn't really over the top like walken was the villain and stuff like that yeah grace jones <laughs> some of those ones well i mean i think when you're thinking of a bond villain you do think of really over the top it's oh cliche yeah but it will be interesting yeah they should have done a mashup a legit bond austin powers mashup That'd been where sweet. the villains austin are you know dr evil and it's Daniel Craig and Mike Myers working together to save the world. It would have been just the best. I know there's also some people that think the next Bond could be a female, which I think, I mean, why not? Oh, it could totally be. It it doesn't, but also I'm like, maybe just make another movie where there's a female agent, maybe in the same place in the same universe mm-hmm. that is like james bond make money penny a bigger part and have because i mean naomi harris already plays money penny and she's become quite a big actress but yeah go that route yeah i don't know i just i would like to see a female go in and just use men like james bond uses women so easily just make the movie spy into a franchise because <laughs> i could watch melissa mccarthy and rose Byrne. and rose Byrne. yeah that would be amazing yes jude law would have been a great bond i think he he to me he would have been more of the the towards the pierce brosnan spectrum yeah. where he's good looking he's charming but i don't buy him as somebody that could physically hurt somebody no you know yeah He's, I don't know. He would there's have just, just been a great one. There's though. just actors where I'm just like, he looks like he's a fighter. Idris Alba, 10 years ago, would have been my ideal person. Because exactly, he's suave, he's charming, and he could F you up. Yeah. I mean, great. it's 2019, so they'll probably just give it to The Rock. My God. They just, he's, uh, he's uh, the as franchise. As long as he didn't fake a British accent. <laughs> Which he would, you know, he would do it. Well, they would have to because James Bond has to be British or just from have, Europe at least. Have Dwayne play him, right? Uh huh. He does all the fight scenes and the acting because The Rock is charming as shit, but his voice is dubbed over by Jude Law. Okay. That okay. would be a charming sob of a James Bond I could if get, I ever saw. Get on board it. with that. Yeah. If I really sat here and thought about it, I could probably name like 20 British actors that I think would be good in that because I love all British actors. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Now we're back. I mean, I guess it's not really off topic because we're watching a James Bond film yeah. and we're discussing. We're James talking Bond. about where the franchise has gone yeah. for the last few years. And yeah. So do you think it's going to hold up? The world is not enough in case you guys forgot because we've been talking for 10 minutes. <laughs> My thought is the last now five Bond movies with Daniel Craig have given you real realistic expectations. Right. And there's amazing chase scenes. But I remember talking to my uncle about it when he, uh, he went and saw Skyfall. He's like the only family member of mine that goes to the movie to go watch these. And he said he didn't like it because he liked the hokiness that there was. Whereas I feel like now I'm programmed to expect realism and now i'm going to go back and watch one where it's a little hokey that's going to make it not hold up for me yeah i it's kind of like we kind of discussed the issue with batman when we watched batman forever where we got these more these darker more yes realistic batman movies mm-hmm. from christopher nolan and so it's hard to compare the old ones to the new ones. Yeah. I think we should just try to be as objective as possible mm-hmm. and try to just accept this movie for what it is. But I would say, how many did Pierce Brosnan do? He did four. Out of all of this, isn't this technically going to be the worst one? 
Which is the one with no, the ice castle? that's the one you're thinking of. Die Another Day. Okay. Yes. See? It's like they all melded together. Yeah. For me, so I don't even know who's in this. Don't tell me. I, I don't want to know. I feel like the Pierce, Pierce, Brosnan the Pierce Brosnan ones, though, had pretty famous Bond girls in them yeah. and stuff like that, whereas I don't... Daniel Craig ones, I don't know that I could name you any of the Bond girls. Because... I think that's part of the whole concept that we're talking about. The reality of it is Mm -hmm. a lot of times when they put somebody that's pretty famous in a role like that, all you see is that person. Yeah. You don't see the character they're playing. You're just like, oh, it's so-and-so playing this That's so true. Like, I can't tell you what Halle Berry's character is in Die Another Day. I just know Halle Berry's in that movie. Right, right. That is an excellent point, whereas some of the other ones are like, okay, it's not that person. All right, I can't remember the... Is it Eva Green? That's yeah. In? Like, like she is a more developed female character Definitely. than I've ever seen in any other James Bond movies, so... Yes, it's a great point. And they all have a silly name, so you think we'd remember the, the Bond girls' names, because their character names are all crazy. I know... The Bond girl from this one's name, because it's like the dumbest Bond girl name outside of uh, Octopussy and some of those ones. Xena on a top, which was Famke Jensen and Goldeneye. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Some just terrible names. Amazing names. Yeah. You're going to appreciate it. <sighs> I'm not going to ruin it for you. Okay. So we're both in agreement. not going to hold up. No. Okay. So you guys can actually stream this. Mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime Video mm-hmm. and Hulu yes. if you guys have uh, any of those two subscriptions mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay extra, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And it's on Vudu free wow. with ads. Oh, that's still cool, though. You don't need the subscription. No. You just got to sit, sit through some commercials. But, I mean, who doesn't have Hulu or at least Amazon Prime Video? My mother. Well, that's true. <laughs> But she knows people that have it. That's so. true. You're always one person away from it's like a Netflix the password. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's yeah. one degree of Netflix. <laughs> anyway. So, oh, I just ruined myself the Bond girl thing. Aww. Because it's on the picture of the website. Oh, okay. But you uh, don't know her name. No. I mean, I know the actress's no, name. No, the character name. Anyway. We're going to go ahead and hit that. Posse pause. And watch The World Is Not Enough and come back and talk about it. Yay. Like we always do. Oh my god, I'm saying that now. (laughs) Yes. Okay, and we're back. We just finished watching The World Is Not Enough. And we're going to go ahead and uh, break down our movie like we always do. Uh, Break down our movie with our categories. Uh, First one is Well Hello There. Where we talk about any famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And there was quite a few. There was. Uh, who did you notice? The first person I noticed was in the opening scene, James Bond goes to a Swiss bank. Mm-hmm. And the guy he's talking to looks super familiar. And he's Patrick Malahide, who plays Balan Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. That is correct. Theon's Vaja. Yeah. Yes. So that was exciting. He mm. had a French accent. Yeah. You picked up. I, I didn't recognize him. I was, you were like, hey, that guy looks really familiar. He just, yeah. His eyes looked really familiar. And I was like, I feel like he was on Game of Thrones. And then I kept saying Walder Frey. I'm like, it's not Walder Frey. <laughs> it's not Walder Frey. But anyway, um, who did you have? The first person I noticed was the character that plays, or the actress that plays the character Moneypenny was Samantha Bond. Yes. And we recognized her uh, mainly, uh, she is obviously in other James Bond movies, but mainly from Downton Abbey. Yes, she played... Lady Rosamund Painswick. Yeah, who is, I can never remember his name, the dad, basically. Robert? Robert, it's his sister. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I, I saw her face and she just looked younger, but her voice is very distinct. Yes. So. Yeah, she has a very distinct voice. Yeah. Yeah. The next one I had was, I kind of forgot that Judy Dench has been playing M for a while. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she that she doesn't age. That was 1999. I feel like she looks the same. I know she probably had some work done, but. There's people like that. Like, I always felt Maggie Smith has looked the same age for 
almost 30 years. I used to think that, and then I remember when we were watching Sister Act not that long ago, and I was like, wow, she looks really young. Mm. But in my mind, because she was in that, and she was in Secret Garden, which I think we should watch now that I'm thinking about it, because I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I've never saw it. Oh, it's a great movie. I've seen it a thousand times. She looks super young, Mm -hmm. because it's like the early 90s. Yeah. Compared to Harry Potter, which is only 10 years, but uh, especially now, like lately in the new, the Downton Abbey movie, she's aging. Yeah. As we all do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, The, another person I I recognize, we kind of alluded to her uh, in the first half of the show was who plays the Bond girl in this movie, which technically I would say has two Bond girls. It does. Um, The one I was talking about was... Denise Richards as Christmas Jones. Yes. Which is one of the worst names ever. I think there are two Bond girls, but I think in almost every Bond movie, there's usually a girl that's either the bad guy and he Mm -hmm. sleeps with her, knowing she's the bad guy or not knowing she's the bad guy. And then there's the other one that's kind of more innocent in a way. Yeah, she was the more innocent. She played a physicist. Yes. uh, And... I was, at 14, very excited that Denise Richards was going to be in this movie. And I will say, at 35, re-watching this, not so excited to see Denise Richards. I mean, she looks nice. Yeah, she's a very pretty lady. it's just, I guess, not as exciting as it was when you were... It's one of those, now, as an adult, you appreciate good acting. That's very true, overlooks. But I did uh, read the people that they auditioned for it other than her were jerry holloway and tiffany amber Thiessen. so either well, way i feel like tiffany amber Thiessen can act yeah uh the next person i have was john cleese who plays q's protege no his protege mean he's yeah okay his protege r <laughs> and yeah he was there he had some lines yeah that that was it you mentioned q which was desmond Llewelland. mm-hmm and it was interesting that they started essentially alluding to they were going to replace him because he ended up dying in a car accident about a month after this movie came out. That's weird. Yeah. And he's super old, too. He was movie. super old. He appeared in 17 of the James Bond movies. That's nice. So I would uh, the only one that he was not in up until this point was Live and Let Die. Oh, so, OK. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The other person I noticed was Robert Carlyle. Is that mm-hmm. how you say his last name? Yeah. He's been on train spotting once upon a time, 28 weeks later. He won a BAFTA for The Full Monty. Yes. Yeah. That's the other movie he's in. I recognized him mainly from Once Upon a once Time. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Where he was a. Mr. Rumpel- Gold? Yeah, Mr. Gold. Oh. Rumpelstiltskin. Who else did you have? Uh, the character of Valentin. Which was played by Robbie Coltrane, who is... Fucking Hagrid. Fucking Hagrid. I was so excited, because you said you didn't remember this movie, really. I was so excited for you to see him more than any character. I was excited about that as well. I mean, (laughs) when I saw him, I was excited. That was all I had. Uh, The only other one, we mentioned how it has two Bond girls. The second Bond girl, if you will, is Sophie Marceau. She played Electra King. And she was notably in Braveheart, which yes. was the big one she was in. Uh, and then there's a couple reoccurring ones for us. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you mine. Yes. But even though you nicknamed him because we were talking about it earlier. Mm-hmm. So in action movies, and if you pay attention to action movies, the, this guy appears a lot. Mm-hmm. He's the oddly placed oil drums. Yeah. He's almost as important to the story as Bruce Willis is to Die Hard. Yes. Jugs of oil Mm -hmm. that are just hanging around in the weirdest of places. But funny enough that because they're there, some explosions happen (laughs) whenever they're around. So (laughs) when it appeared early in the movie, there was some that got blown up. But later in the movie, James Bond runs past some oil jugs and you just said you're like, Gee, I wonder what's going to happen with those. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, so Ryan wanted to call him Juggy. Juggy, the oil. You know, jug. because it, 
the more we do action movies, the more likely it's going to happen that you see Juggy around. Mm-hmm. Who did you have? It's an old friend of ours. Yes. The legendary low-flying helicopter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was, was cast as the tree-trimming helicopter in this movie. Yeah. With a he circular saw. For <laughs> balls, yeah. I decided. It was basically, he had some lethal... Saw balls. Saw balls. <laughs> Saw balls. And he destroyed everything. Yeah. In that one scene. The scene where um they're at Valentin's caviar uh-huh. caviar uh, factory and it just destroys everything. It yeah. cut a BMW in half. It did. Uh, and then we mentioned his children. Low flying helicopter Junior was the fan copter. Yeah, the fan copter slash snowmobiles. I yeah. just referred to them lovingly as flying snowmobiles. Yeah. Because that's basically what they were. Yes. And we'll we'll definitely talk about them and their whole role in this film. They were delightful. Did you have anybody else? No, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on to the next category. This is kids would call it a throwback. We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion any offensive jokes or dated references? Did you really have any fashion? I notated our nuclear physicist, Christmas Jones. Yes. Uh, when she <clears throat> first shows up, is wearing a very short set of shorts and a crop top. Yes, because that's what scientists wear. And that is correct. To be fair. To be fair. She is in a desert setting. She's in the Middle East. Okay. So she's hot. So to wearing a tank top and shorts underneath your science robes. That is true. Like a containment suit. I'll give you that. When she shows up, she was in a containment suit, and then she goes outside and she she takes off that. But it was definitely a scene where you're like, admire her boobs. (laughs) Did you have any? Uh, The only thing I really know, I mean, I have something else, but it's it's for later. But Valentin's suit, when they, we first meet him, he's wearing this, like, metallic satin suit. And it was pretty bomb, actually. I thought it yeah. was really nice. It w- and knocked out any of James Bond's suits. I will say this. James Bond, even 20 years ago, nice, well-cut suits. When he's in suits, he looks nice. Yeah. it was. They're very well-tailored. There was a character. I'm trying to think of what his name is. He played Bull. He was Valentin's, like, bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, it was played by a DJ slash actor named Goldie. Yeah. And that guy was basically the gold version of Cisco. Yeah. Rather than the platinum hair, he had gold hair, gold grill. He just over the top, really. It was the 90s. Yeah, exactly. It was stuff you could get away with back then. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you have any offensive jokes or dated references? I don't. I kind of. I think blocked out the offensive jokes, but at the very end, they have this technology um, that Q is using. They're trying to locate James Bond, and mm-hmm. it's like a thermal heat-seeking act of th- a thing where where they can see a body. Yeah. And you see James Bond starts glowing red because he's having a good time with someone, but everyone kind of freaks out, and Q's like, "Oh." My bad. Must be a premature form of the millennium bug. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. That whole scene was icky. It was very icky. I noted that uh, when he goes to the casino somewhere, I there's so many locations in James Bond's movies that I just get confused. He's somewhere doing something, but he was in a casino. Mm-hmm. And he has x-ray glasses to see who's packing weapons. Yes. But he then he stares at these two girls, and he can see their bikinis for some reason. I don't know. I don't know how x-ray glasses work, but I don't know if that's how they work. Mm-hmm. But he just stares at them, like, for a creepily long time. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a weird. Yeah. And then also when Renard is talking to Bond for the first time, and he's talking about how he took Electra's innocence, and basically he was, like, ragging on him for having his sloppy seconds in a yeah. way. And it was just... Pretty gross. It was bad. Yeah. I'm like, she's a grown-ass woman. Yeah. And yes, I mean, she was an evil person that used her sexuality to get things that she wanted, but... You still don't need to call her that. 
yeah. or make those insinuations. He didn't call her anything. Yeah, just, but he, like you said. The me. fact that they were, like, talking about it, like, it was theirs to talk about, I guess. I yeah. don't know. It was icky. It was. Very icky. There's a lot of icky moments in this movie, I realized. Very true. Are you ready to move on to the next category? Sure. You didn't have any other data references? Mm-mm. Okay. Go ahead. So we're going to go ahead and get our locator card and talk about some technology. Yeah. There was a ton of it. There was not so much in the technology that we use every yeah. day or we did use every day in 1999. Mm-hmm. There was obviously a lot of things that they kind of made up because that's what James Bond is known for. Yeah. Like you said earlier, there's, it's the gadgets. And mm-hmm. So there was definitely a lot of that. Yeah. What was uh, your first one? Uh, he, when you mentioned him talking to Theon Greyjoy's dad at the Swiss bank, he uses his eyeglasses to detonate like a smoke bomb mm-hmm. to like get the advantage in the room, which I thought were kind of pretty cool. They probably make that <laughs> now. I'm sure. I'm sh- I was watching this movie thinking that a lot of it, the technology that he had mm-hmm. was actually something that's like accessible to us now. Yeah. And like ordinary everyday people not just spies the one thing i did want to talk about was his weird little black boat at the beginning uh-huh it kind of looked like something batman would have but also it made this noise when it was going uh-huh. it sounded like somebody letting out helium out of a balloon <laughs> very lightly it yeah. was like ee- yeah <laughs> it didn't sound threatening or strong and i just felt like it was just so silly looking because it was so small yeah it was like a little speedboat jet ski car yeah he definitely rode it on land through a restaurant yeah through a cafe he takes out a cafe at one point so it it was just it was just silly looking he looked like he was driving a mini car yeah bumper car or something yeah like a little bumper boat yeah except really fast you mentioned some of the technology that we actually did have at that time. I noticed there was a lot of computers, and some had, you know, the big boxy monitors. But then there was ones that were a flat-screen monitor, which I was like, oh, that's kind of... Probably was very new at the time. And he even had touchscreen monitors. They were the big computers, but they were touchscreen. I'm yeah. using air quotes. And the noise that they made was... I could only describe as generic sciencey sounds. It was like, <laughs> like uh, that sound. It's that like did the, sound like sciencey sounds. Like the music they played on Doogie Howser when he would type into his diary. Yeah, just music. The hologram of Renard mm-hmm. looked like a video game character from early two thousands. Yeah, it didn't look like him at all. It was really boxy looking, and yeah, yeah. We talked about his x-ray glasses. Uh, he had a, a watch that had a grapple hook on it. That was uh, pretty, pretty sweet. It was. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much all I had. Uh, just the last one that I had was um, Valentin's. He had a gun that was in a cane. That's that was true. pretty sweet. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Was there any DVD special features you wanted to talk about? They just had the one trailer where it was uh, for all the the James Bond collection. Yeah, the Ultimate Bond DVD collection. Yeah. I just, I, they always want to promote the surround sound. It's 5.1 surround sound. I'm like, that's eh, cool. We didn't have much as far as technology when it came to the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. We were getting, we had DVDs now. We were getting a better quality, but it's not as good as what we have now. Yeah. But we really held on to that sound, I think. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. And I did like on the DVD menu, instead of a play button, it had initiate mission. Yeah. I was like, okay, well done. That that wasn't bad. Whoever came up with that was winning the day. Were they? Yeah. I just wanted to, just moving on to musical score and soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's that iconic James Bond song. I wouldn't say iconic no, but, but yeah, I get it's you're something. Saying. I think we mentioned this in another episode that back in the nineties, it seemed like they did theme songs for like all the kids' movies and and for movies in general. Every movie had an anthem. Yeah, and I know they still do that in a way, but I feel like James Bond is really the only one that's been consistent where they put out a a song specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if a lot of 
movies do that anymore. I mean, I know some do because those are the ones that are getting nominated for mm-hmm. Academy Awards that aren't Disney songs. And especially with James Bond, it's the theme song was by Garbage and it was yeah. The World Is Not Enough. But then the score of the movie was different renditions of that song oh. played multiple times throughout it. So it's very important at driving the movie. I just, um, I did note that the, the score around the scene where they meet uh, Valentin mm-hmm. and they're playing a card game mm-hmm. in his casino and the music is so suspenseful. It literally sounded like it should be to somebody walking through a dark house in a scary movie. Not playing high card? <laughs> no. It did not match the tone no. of the scene at all. Mm-mm. No. I was like, is somebody going to jump out and you're, scare me right now? You're waiting for Valentin <clears throat> to have cheated in the game. Yeah. Try to, like, kill someone. No, they just played a friendly game of high card. He won. Have a nice day. The end. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else in this category? Uh, No, I did not. Okay, our next category is called Is It Even Good? A category where we talk about the plots, all the plot holes, and our cringiest and funniest moments, and I'm losing my voice, so bear with me here. What what kind of plot holes did you have? The <laughs> biggest one that I had... I just realized that I asked you. Yeah. What kind of plot holes okay. did you have? <laughs> I know there was some plot holes, and I know you have some. <laughs> the Towards the end of the movie... James Bond and Renard are fighting over a plutonium rod. Yeah. Renard is trying to, like, basically load it into uh, some sort of a contraption. And somehow Bond realizes, I don't know how he knows this, but he knows if he grabs this gas hose and puts it over the plug, and then if he pushes this button, it's going to eject the plutonium rod back into Renard and kill him. Yeah. I don't know how you would know that. On a submarine. I I don't know. I I question that myself. And I think that's just us being so much more jaded because we can't just accept that something in a movie just happens. When I was a 14-year-old Rai Rai watching this, I thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you do that, James Bond. You don't need an explanation when you're younger. Mm -mm. Did not. You're like, that's just cool. Who cares if it's not feasible at all? (laughs) I, I did want to talk about the scene where after he gets hurt in, like, the first big action sequence, mm-hmm. he is visiting the doctor at the MI6 headquarters or whatever, mm-hmm. and they immediately have sex. Well, not immediately. I think she gave him a physical and then said, you shouldn't be working, and he was like, let's do it, and then you're going to give me a clean bill of health. And all I could think of, do you think he has the same tactics if the doctor was, like, a 45-year-old male? <laughs> Like, he would still be like, let's do this. He says the pun, let's just skirt the issue. That yes. is what As he said As he unzips As, her skirt. Um, oh which, once you said, if it was a 45-year-old male doctor, <laughs> I was like, would he have said, let's just skirt the issue? Oh. <laughs> There's so many gross things in this movie. I'm sorry. Uh, Did you have any other potholes? Because I had a couple. No, I didn't, actually. What? Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> Go ahead. I like how they had to point out that Renard, the villain, can't feel pain mm-hmm. because of a bullet lodged in his brain? He has a bullet that's slowly penetrating his brain. Yeah, so he can't feel pain. But I feel like they don't really utilize that as a, as a thing. Uh-uh. And I actually forgot that that happened to him and that he had that, he doesn't feel pain until that gross sex scene between him and Electra, and he is jealous because she slept with James Bond mm-hmm. and he punches the thing and he's like I can't feel pain and I was like oh yeah oh yeah I forgot that's a thing and then she weirdly ran an ice cube across her face Rewatching all these movies for a podcast there's so many sex scenes that when I was younger I probably was like oh that's interesting because when you're younger too you're not experienced and you're just taking notes from movies and TV mm-hmm. and you think that that's how you're like one day I'm gonna rub yeah. run an ice cube down my forehead and, and now my I'm nose. just like I'm like that's not sanitary okay I, I don't know what, I don't know what that's for <laughs> There's so many movies when I was a kid, I had no clue what was going on. 
I just knew that I'm like, oh, they're doing something that sexy time, but I don't know what <laughs> what's actually time. happening. Uh, uh, yeah. God. And then I also liked the other part of that they never really focused on was that she disfigured her own ear. Mm-hmm. And she, when she took it off, it was supposed to be this moment of like, oh, horrible, disfigure, and you're like. You hide it with an earring, and yeah. you're fr- freaking ridiculously gorgeous. And she put the earring right back on after yeah. she revealed, like, hey, I have this... It looks like Mike Tyson bit the bottom of my ear. Yeah, and nobody will ever notice this, because... No. You I'm, always wore earrings. You're, I'm ridiculously good-looking, <laughs> and nobody will pay attention to yeah. my slightly disfigured ear. Yeah. That was CGI, by the way. Yeah, and it looked kind of bad. It was, like, floating a little... I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. I guess that will be all I have. I don't want to sit here and talk in for like 20 years. Well, if you want to talk about some more, I can obviously bounce stuff off of you. I don't want you to bounce anything off of me. <laughs> um, I did like that when, I guess in another way it was being overdramatic and it didn't pay off, was the scene where Valen- Valentin dies. Mm-hmm. And he grabs his cane gun that you mentioned. And he looks like he's going to shoot her. Mm-hmm. But then he slowly turns it to him. To James. And yeah, to James and shoots the ankle cuff off because he was tied up. Yeah. But she thinks he just shot her. But it was just, it was so dramatic the way they did it. And it was just like a tiny little shot that undid his buckle. And that's what he did with his dying breath. What was funny is he does that, shoots the the thing that's locked James Bond into this chair where she's trying to break his neck slowly and explaining evil plan like right. every bond villain and so he, when valentin shoots him james goes like oh you could hear it hit metal yeah she Me- didn't notice the thing flap open and you didn't notice that he's not bleeding anywhere any of that she's not the brightest like james is bright because he sold it he's like he did oh. he did sell it yeah do you want to move on to your funniest line or moment yes what was yours it was just a scene between james and valentin where James is like, what's your business with Electric King? And Valentin's response is, I thought you were the one giving her the business. And I was just like, gross. Gross, but I still thought it was funny. I thought that scene was weird because then he like automatically like turns to Denise Rich's character and he's just like, you probably shouldn't be sleeping this guy. He's not good company to keep. And I'm like, how do you know they're sleeping together? I mean, yes, he's James Bond, so... It's almost cliche that if he's by a woman, he's probably going to have sex with her. Yes. But they hadn't yet. Mm-mm. And it's just rude to assume that she's just doing the available guy next to her, even yeah. though she eventually does. So. But she's a smart physicist. She could she could have a husband at home. Yeah. Why would just you? Just because she's staying with Bond because he's a trained killer, so who to stay safe with yeah. than somebody that's trained, you know? Yeah, definitely. What was your funniest moment? Mine was, so, M sends him to protect Electra because mm-hmm. they think her life's in danger again, and they go skiing. And this is when the low-flying helicopter children come, mm-hmm. the flying snowmobiles, and they're attacking them. Yeah. Well, at one point, the one is driving, he's not flying anymore, and James Bond tricks the snowmobile to go over the ledge, mm-hmm. and then he says... See you at the lodge. <laughs> As if, you know, it's just a buddy skiing and they're yeah. like, oh, we'll meet you at the lodge later. And he's so happy about that quippy line. And then the snowmobile, because it flies, doesn't crash. It just goes up in the air. Uh-huh. He, he looks so disappointed <laughs> and he huffs. Like, it's like, that didn't I just work. said my quippy line. You're not supposed to come back from that. <sighs> I just thought it was funny. I remember, like, you immediately said, that thing flies. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Uh, What was your cringiest? When you were kind of talking about the skiing, they all of a sudden, James has one of these gadgets where he can push a button and it deploys a inflatable sphere around them. Yeah. Because basically almost an avalanche gets triggered. And Electra and James are in this inflatable ball and she starts freaking out it's called claustrophobia but she was over the top and he to calm her down is just like look at my eyes look at my eyes (laughs) that was yeah and i was just like that's not helping anything (laughs) 
<laughs> but it calmed her down because I thought they were going to like just tear each other's clothes off in that ball right there. Yeah. There was some chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, in close quarters. As he yelled at her as she's having a panic attack. Yeah. Mine was, there's a couple, but I think I'm going to have to go with when he says, Electra asked him if he knows how to ski. And he said, I came prepared for a cold reception. Yep. Who is writing this? Quippy Puns McGrew. Ugh. Just, ugh. So interesting. Yeah. To say the least. So, now that we're watching a James Bond movie, we added the side category of coolest James Bond gadget. Yes. Did you have one? My favorite at the time was the uh, BMW could be self-driving. Yes. And I thought that was so awesome. Now, we have like self-driving Teslas and Ubers and shit like that. That I wouldn't trust with my I No, you could not pay me to get in one. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, that's freaking cool. I think in 1999, it was such a far away possibility in your mind that you just didn't even think about it. I do think that the controller for the self-driving part, it Mm. looked like a Simon Says... Like the light up game? Oh, yeah. It looked like that. Yeah. And the thing that I did like was when the car was first shown to Bond by Q and uh-huh. R. And R is telling him, like, all the features of it. And he's like, it has six beverage holders. And I was like, oh, damn. That's a lot of beverage. That's fancy. Why do you need six drinks? It's a two-seater car. At yeah, most? <laughs> Four. It's like, uh. Maybe. He's just bringing, like, he pulls up to Starbucks. He's like, six Americanos. Just because he, he can. And he just distributes them around the car. <laughs> I think my favorite James Bond gadget was the watch that was the also the grappling gun. Mm-hmm. But mostly because of the weak buzzing sound it made when being used. It sounded like a wind-up toy. Whee! The one that you push, like a wind-up car. Car? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like I was like, I don't know if I would trust that to carry my weight at all. No, definitely not. Did you have any additional notes? I did. When Renard has stolen the nuclear weapon from the site where we first meet Christmas Jones, he's running out of that place with the nuke and his guys are shooting at people and you just hear people getting shot and then they're like, oh, they and really it, oversell it. But it reminds me so much of when someone gets shot in Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was, I, like, the quippy jokes that we're making fun of. Like, there's so many of those in Austin Powers, and it works in Austin Powers because they're making fun of it. But mm-hmm. in this, you're just like... And this came out after... International Man of Mystery. Yeah, and Renard reminds me so much visually of dr evil yeah he's bald he has a weird eye thing but i think he's actually supposed to be one of the other bond villains like telly savalas played or something like that but he reminded me of this yeah i did want to point out that valentin's or robbie coltrane Mm -hmm. his accent kept going in and out of being scottish and russian a lot Uh, ah it didn't totally kill his character for me but i just there'd be some words he'd say and i'm like man he's so scottish um, that he's supposed to be Russian. That happens a lot in movies, so unless yeah. there, some you get blessed with like an awesome well, actress, better. and yeah, yeah. One that I noted was after Renard has stolen the nuclear warhead, he put it in a oil pipeline, and Christmas and Bond get on a cart, and they're in this oil pipeline trying to deactivate the bomb. They said that bomb was moving at seventy miles an hour. They get up to it and they're going to fake their deaths and let the bomb detonate. So they just roll off the cart at 70 miles an hour. Yeah. I was no. like, well, that doesn't make sense. That That, that is a plot hole. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would have died. The scene towards the end where Bond has to shoot Electra because mm-hmm. she's going to warn Renard that, that they're going to be coming for him. Mm-hmm. And he shoots her and she falls into a bed. And then he proceeds to hover over her creepily. Very creepily. And M comes in, and I feel like she's like, did, what, what did I just walk into? Cause what he, is going on? He weirdly positioned himself between her legs. Yeah. 
And it was, as you said, do I need to give you a moment? Yeah. Is <laughs> what Em was thinking. She's was... like, what? what's going on here? <sighs> also, I told you not to have sex with her. Yes, she did. I told you. She did. Do you want to move on to our final thoughts and our favorite part of the episode? <laughs> yes. Uh, as always on our show, it is award season. Mm-hmm. And we give out two awards every week. The first of which is a valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. Whom did you give your award to? I went back and forth because I almost gave it to Robbie Coltrane because of the accent. Because you know I have issues with accents. Yep. But I ended up giving it to Denise Richards because I just felt like she did not pull off being a scientist. And I'm not trying to say, like, you can't be pretty and be smart. Obviously, we exist. I'm talking about me. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like how um, you said that. We exist. But it's just, she didn't pull it off, man. And there was times where she didn't really serve any purpose and she was just there to fill a void when Bond was trying to decide if he could trust Elektra. Mm-hmm. Her level uh. of... I, I picked her as well. Her level of acting is, does not warrant being in a James Bond movie. She's so robotic reading yeah. her lines. She's just like, wait a minute. Are you going to do what I think you're going to do? Yeah. The world's greatest terrorist running around with six kilos of weapons-grade plutonium? I wrote those down because that she sounded so robotic. You're like, Ugh. There's a line where they're coming out of the pipeline that exploded, like you mentioned earlier. And he said something. I don't even know what he said, but it, it made sense. Whatever he said. And she's like, do you want to say that in English? And I'm like, you're supposed to be a smart scientist. Yeah. You're supposed, to be <laughs> You're supposed to be smart. Uh, the next award is the Valley Victorian of the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. I feel like I said that weird. You just read the same award category that we already gave an award out for. <laughs> That's what you did. You're like, I feel like I read that weird. I'm like, well, you read the wrong one. <laughs> okay. The next award is the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Correct. Who did you give yours to? And if I, you gave it to the same person, I'm going to get so mad. I gave it to Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, good. He is super charming. He's witty, and he was fun. I think maybe there's a couple people on this that maybe were slightly better actors than he was, but I really enjoyed him, and I was always enjoyed him as Bond. He definitely wasn't the worst part of that movie. So. No. I gave mine to an actor that we've seen in many roles, and I think this one, he just... He brought his A-game? He brought his A-game. He brought his saw balls. (laughs) He brought his saw balls. (laughs) He had such a bigger, major role in this movie. And he could cut into buildings. And that's (laughs) low-flying helicopter. He was great. He was great. He was a major villain, if you think about it. He almost killed Bond, like, four times. More than anybody else in this movie. And he just really showed his range as an actor. And we saw that car in half. The that BMW. Was awesome. That was pretty sweet. And then his death scene, just where all the saws blades go everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just amazing. I had to give it to him. I I don't blame you. He was yeah. an amazing. He was amazing. Do you think he still acts? I think so. Something tells if me. If there's an action movie, there's yeah. a low flying Something tells helicopter. me he was in Hobbs and Shaw. A lot, maybe. Yeah. I can only hope. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it to find out, though. Aw. <laughs> Oh, I love you, Dwayne. Not watching that shit. <laughs> you just said like a compliment. Yeah. Part compliment, part and salt. I said it like he's gonna listen to our podcast yeah. and be like, "Oh, Ryan, you're not gonna go watch my movie." <laughs> you're like, "I will cut you." Yeah. No. Well, if you listen to my podcast, I'll go watch your movie. I'll say that. Yeah, it's not happening. No. Anyway, we can move on to does this film this james bond gem hold up to your adult standards i say in the same way that i felt about gone in 60 seconds i enjoyed it but i enjoyed it because it was bad yes i agree i do not think it held up it was watchable for the most part, I didn't feel like I was too bored. There was times where, like I said, they just assumed that you're not going to question certain parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they do that 
less these days to yeah. try to explain all the little things in action movies or I don't know where I'm going with this but I do feel like it dated it was dated because of the hokey jokes mm-hmm. and I feel like this Bond movie and maybe a lot of them are like a dude's wet dream yeah kind of you're just this agent who just goes around kicks ass and has sex with literally every woman that has a vagina mm-hmm and they love you for it. And they don't, they accept that you're going to have sex with everybody. They yeah. might judge it a little. They might, they, they might get a little snippy with each other. Because there was that scene where uh, Money Penny and the doctor have kind of words. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think that's, it's like that concept of if a guy is cheating on you, that you should be mad at just the woman. Even though it takes two to tango. Yep. But I feel like also James Bond's dialogue was written by a total dad. Mm-hmm. Like, all of his jokes were so hokey. All his quips. A couple of them were like, okay, I guess that can pass. But a lot of them were really cheesy. Mm -hmm. The ending quote of the movie. I thought Christmas only came once Once a a year. year. Yes. While he's sticking it to Denise Richards. And I said sticking it. Because I don't really know how else to explain that sex scene. It was just... And before that, he says the words, I've always wanted to have Christmas and turkey. Yeah. I feel like a 45-year-old dad Mm -hmm. who likes to golf and wears khakis and just wrote this as a fantasy to... I don't know. It's so silly. It's going to be very interesting to compare the new one. Yeah. Because Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote the movie. Well, she's doing, like, the rewrites. Doing the rewrites. But she's going to have a say on what goes into that movie and she's won an emmy for her writing it'll be interesting to see what kind of level and improvement that movie is going to have because of it i was reading this article where she talked about it because people were worried that they're going to make james bond a feminist and mm-hmm. she's like no i don't think you should change the character he's kind of a shitty guy towards women mm-hmm. and but i think it's like maybe she can help change the reactions of the women characters of how they portray him. Yeah. I think that's where it really needs help. Cause I'm like to make him a feminist and stuff like that wouldn't really, that would kind of change his nature, mm-hmm. but to at least have him not go through the whole movie without feeling like any of the women matter to him. Cause I think the only person that really matters to him is M. Yeah. I feel like he's, the, she's the only woman he gives any sort of respect to and, and that he, way. he has like a playful flirtiness with Money Penny. Yeah. But even in this movie, the only one that I feel like he objectifies was the doctor. Yeah. Because he's like, he uses his uses sex to get what he wants and get a medical clearance. But with Electra, he fought, was fighting the urge to be with her. Because he was told not he to. He was told not to, but he was still like attracted to her and he wasn't just like i'm just gonna jump her bones but he was like incredibly mean to her when he started to suspect that she was uh working with renard Mm -hmm. he became like incredibly mean to her and kind of like shamed her for using her sexuality yeah and that was the time i was like okay calm down dude he did do that but at the same time she he was right she was a a villain and he had to shoot her she was working with a terrorist she was yeah we didn't mention it, but when he's going to kill her and she is so full of herself. And yeah. She's like, you won't kill me. You like me and all this. She's manipulative. Manip- and I'm like going, you're manipulative. Not... But I was just thinking, I'm like, you're not that great. And then bam, he shoots and kills her. Problem solved. But then that makes me feel like he literally has no emotion towards any of the women he sleeps with. She was a terrorist. Yeah, but I, I feel like... In movies now that even if a person was betrayed by somebody, mm-hmm. to physically have to kill them, I think they would show a little bit more of a should I or shouldn't I emotion. Yeah. So that's it. We agree that it's not a bad watch, but no. it doesn't hold up. Definitely. I would. I, I will probably watch it again at some point in my lifetime, but it's not a great movie by any stretch. It's, no. I would put it at the bottom of the list of the James Bonds I've seen in my lifetime. Well... Thanks for listening, guys. And like always, definitely check our social media out mm-hmm. at Facebook. Over at Ruining Our Childhood. And Instagram at Ruining Our Childhood. Mm-hmm. 
and on Twitter at ROC Movie Podcast. That is us. And we'll be signing off with a I'm really hot and I want to get out of this podcast room. Sounds good. We'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.